0: Coming this morning, I know there are a lot of things on Sunday morning that we could be doing, like sleeping, or you know other stuff. And there is something about uh, making the effort and to seek God and come before Him. And I appreciate everyone being here this morning. We, I believe, God is meeting us and already has, and uh, in our time here this morning. So it's good to be here. I want. Let me just pray for the rest of our time. I just feel like that would be be good to do, Lord. Thank you that you are present and you are ready to extend your mercy, your grace into our lives to to give us the understanding we need. To I pray that this morning even that blind spots that we have um, that we would we would see things we've never seen before that would bring us into more freedom, more purpose, more of your power. Lord, I ask that you would that you would uh, bring more of of your life into our lives this morning. God, that we could experience, I pray that everyone here would experience more of the abundant life you have for us. And not only for ourselves, but to have enough to share with with the world around us. Lord, thank you for that. We look to you, Lord. We can't do anything without you. I'm asking that you would take these words, that you would speak to to each heart this morning, that you would bring the the transformation and the encouragement we need. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we are uh, almost, we're on we'll our week four out of five of this message series we're doing right now, calling You Can Help Your Team Win. And the idea is, is that every one of us is on, find ourselves on a team or two or three, with our, whether it's a work team, school team, our family, church, God puts people on teams, and He wants to give us the qualities that can make those teams be successful and win, not just maybe in the rubric that that the world looks at, but in those teams really making a difference in people's lives and and in the world. And so the first week we talked about, um, and we're kind of following the C H A M P from our champ camp, so week one we talked about having a clear and compelling vision. The second week, Bo Banner talked about how honored people honor people. We talked about a culture of honor and... Once we receive honor from God, we can honor others. Last week, we talked about a winning attitude. Look at the story of David and Goliath. And today, we're talking about managing your most obnoxious teammate. Any of you have an obnoxious teammate on your team? Can I see any hands? Any, anybody coming to mind? Yeah, you think of that obnoxious teammate. Yes. That's always one of the most difficult parts of being on a team, is those people that are just tough to get along with. But actually... What I'm going to talk about today is that, guess what? The obnoxious teammate I'm talking about is you. <laughs> the same way you think about that other person, they may be thinking about you. And, and actually, we're building off of what Ramiro read from Romans 7. I think that's a scripture that whenever we hear it, people relate to it because it's saying, hey, I want to do what's right. I want to live for God. I, want, I know this is how I should, but man, there's this other part of me that really doesn't. And I, I am really hard to lead. I'm a really hard person to have on my team. I, man, there's this, if we get honest, there's, there's a lot in us. And I think that's one of the reasons it's very easy for us to give advice to other people or judge other people. Because it's much easier to fix other people's problems than our own. Right? Like it seems like, oh, if they would just do this and this and this, man, why can't they do that? And then it comes to our issues, It's like, oh dude, this is tough. Man, how come I can't change? This is this is really frustrating. So that's what we're gonna look at today. Uh, but one of the that there's you know so much in us that is difficult to lead, difficult to manage. We we have the laziness. Anyone besides me ever feel lazy? We got the compulsions, kind of the other extreme, like I gotta do this, I gotta do that. There are addictive behaviors like, oh, you know, we look to substances or food or something for, for you know, to try to find something. Um, it's really hard to manage that. Um, you know, I've, I've recently have, I usually eat fairly healthy, but somehow in the last several months kind of got away from vegetables and green stuff. And I'm just like, every day it's like, I want to eat some ice cream and chocolate, it's like every meal, breakfast, like, yeah, ice cream sounds good. <laughs> and it's just, and it's, then you get in that place and it's, it's hard to get out of it. And so we got the addictions, the compulsions, the, the impurity, the lust, the pride, the jealousy, envy, divisions in our relationships, attitudes, idolatry, looking to other things besides God, provoking other people, like, those are very real forces at work in, most, no, all of us. That's, that's the real life that we've we got to deal with. And so managing ourselves is, is really tough. And, you know, one of the, the best qualities we can bring to the team that we're on is to be self-disciplined. We, in our, here at Bluemont, we like to talk about being self-governed or actually spirit-governed. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, my wife, Reagan, and I were, had some friends over this week from our neighborhood. And they're professors in the dance and music program at K-State. And the lady was talking about um, she's, that she teaches a class. They both teach classes every summer to, to students over the summer. They, a lot of them are college athletes that are coming to K-State before they start um, in the fall. And so there's a dance class. And she said, four years ago, there was this, this kind of different kid in her class named Jordan Willis. Some of you may know him. He's a football player. And one day, his his early on in the, in the class, his, his classmates came, and they were all tired and grumpy. And they were like, man, it's, it's so frustrating. We didn't get our homework done. We're tired because we, we, wanted to, we didn't do it. We are going to do it before class. And then our roommate, Jordan, was up at 4 a.m. doing push-ups. And we couldn't get any sleep. Like, we didn't get any sleep this morning. And this, this teacher said, well, maybe, like, did you think, like, maybe he's just really motivated. Really, he wants, maybe he wants to make something of his life. Maybe he wants to be successful in football. And she had a conversation with him. She's a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan and had a conversation. He wanted to play in the NFL. And guess what? Four years later, he's the defensive player of the year for the Big 12 and is drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals and is playing in the NFL. Because there's a quality of, of self-discipline, of being self-governed. If is getting up at 4 AM saying, hey, I'm going to work out, I'm going to do extra. What the team's doing isn't enough. We, we appreciate that. We appreciate it in our families. I mean, I know, we've we've got kids from 19 down to 6, and it's one of the most fun things is seeing when the older kids, finally it starts to click, when it's like, oh, it's not just about what can mom do for me, but, wow, maybe I could, like, see some stuff and take the initiative and do that. Like, man, that is golden. Like, that is so awesome. When family members start thinking about, hey, what can I bring to this team without being told, and do that. And the work environment. You know, when there are Employees and members of the team that are going, hey, not just what's the bare minimum? How do I put in my time? How can I collect my paycheck? But no, how can I really own this job? Own what our company is trying to do, and take the initiative and think of creative ideas and do what nobody else is doing. That is golden. You look in a church, the same thing. It's you know, when people go from, hey, what can you know? What can I get? Which is which is great. We all need to get. But when people go to, like, seeing, oh, wow, there's a, a hurting person in my neighborhood. And, man, how can I love that person and include them in my life? There's a hurting person at church or someone with a need. And how can I bring my life to help them? That just That's one of the best qualities that a team member can bring to their team. But, but so often, the opposite is what, what actually happens, right? I mean, the kids don't do something until they're nagged at. Um, employees just put in their time barely and complain about everything. Christians, we don't have our own lives under control, let alone have something to help other people with. Like so often that's this is the challenge that we live in. And throughout the Bible, it talks about this quality of of managing our own life well. The actually at Champ Camp, our theme verse is is 2 Timothy 1 7. And it says this it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power. And self-control. The spirit God gives us is not something that's fear-based or any of that, but it's love. It's something within us that wells up to love other people. There's a power in it, and a little spoiler alert, but that's what we're talking about next week is is power. John Griffith's going to bring that message. And self-control. It's interesting that it's a spirit Of love, power, and self-control. What we're talking about today about managing our own life well is not about willpower. It's not about just try harder, but God gives people something from His Spirit that brings about power, love, and self-control. So that's good news, right? Because like Romans 7 that Ramiro was reading, like we try but we can't. And so the answer is God wants to give us from His Spirit the ability to be self-governed. Um, and as I also just want to make this note. The Bible talks a lot about that word spirit. And you know, the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, and when we become believers and are born again, God's Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And, but also, we have a spirit. When God made us in His image, He breathed into us, and that breath of God is what animates us. It's, it's our spirit. And it's really interesting in the in the New Testament when the Bible talks about Christians, or when it talks about spirit. It's in the in the in the Greek that the Bible was written in originally. They don't capitalize words, and so oftentimes it says spirit, and it's really hard to tell: is it talking about God's spirit or the spirit of a Christian? Because they're they're like they become joined together and. Our, the quality of our spirit is what is made in God's image. There is a, a power and a life that we have from God that, yes, we are relying upon God, but it's, it's something, it's hard to tell, is that our spirit or God's spirit because they're so closely connected because God has put in our spirits the very thing we need, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. So um, look with me at Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read through uh, a passage, some, uh, the, the last part of this chapter, and then on to the next chapter. And this is talking about the process of how we can manage our most obnoxious teammate. How we can partner with God to have him manage us so we can manage ourselves. And so, Ephesians 4, I encourage you, if you have a Bible or an app on your phone, um, we'll have it on the screen here. But it might be helpful to kind of look at it um, in a bigger picture as we're going through this because it, it kind of all ties together. Now, verse 17, Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul writes, he says, Now I say this, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. That's basically talking about the unbelievers, the people who don't know God. You're not supposed to live like them anymore. When you become a Christian, your life should look different than it used to look. Don't walk like they do in the futility of their minds. In other words, the way they think is futile. It's broken. It doesn't work. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. So This is describing life apart from God or life before Christ. They have become callous or hard-hearted and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. You know, I read this and I was like, yeah, this is kind of how my life used to look. This is how things sometimes still tend to be for me. This is definitely what the world looks like. But then it says in verse 20, but, and we like to say, there are a lot of great buts in the Bible. This is one of of them. It's like, but, it doesn't stop there. (laughs) But, that is not the way you learn Christ. Okay, it should be different for us. Assuming that you have heard about him, and we're taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. So this is about to tell us, how did we learn to live differently? How did we live to manage our own lives? This is, this, is, this is key. Verse 22. We learn to put off our old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit, there's that word, the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self Created after the likeness of God, and true righteousness and holiness. And if you follow that, it's saying, hey, this is how the world lives. You're not supposed to live that way anymore. And it uses this kind of odd language that says, put off your old self, or your old man, your old woman, and put on the new self, the new man, the new woman. The first thing you gotta do, and this is just two parts today. What do you need to do to live this way, to manage yourself? The first thing you gotta do is fire your flesh. Your flesh is the word the Bible used to describe our sinful, our old nature. The part of us that lives for itself, the part of us that before we gave our lives to Christ, it dominated our life completely. It's, the Bible calls that your flesh. It's the part of your, your body and your, your mind and your emotions, your will, that is depraved, that's corrupted. And it's kind of like, it's, just, it's like, imagine there's a little person inside of you. And that's your flesh. That's what, your old, your old man, your old woman. My flesh, I think, some days it looks like a dude who's like 43. That's how old I am. He hasn't shaved for a couple days. He hasn't showered for a couple days. He's got a wife beater on. He's got bad breath. He's in a bad mood. And he, everyone around him is just kind of like, ugh, he's just irritated at everybody. Everyone, and no matter what you do, like that, that you're, he's irritated at that person, and annoyed at everybody, annoyed at life, nothing's going well. He's kind of sitting in some, like, 70s wood panelled office and just sitting there looking nasty and he's the boss. He's the boss of my life sometimes. You got to fire your flesh. You got to tell that flesh man, "Hey, you're not in charge." Now sometimes my flesh looks like like a Wall Street executive in a business suit. And it's more like the compulsion. Like, "Hey, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this." Like we're going to be successful, we're going to but it's all about you and what you do and your success and it's just totally like self-centered. My my flesh guy, he has, you know, he's he's kind of schizophrenic. He can look different different times. But imagine like in in the inside your heart, inside your life, there's a room that that's the boss's office. Kind of like in the office. All right? That's Steve's office. And are all his successors. And you wake up in the morning, I wake up in the morning, you know who's there? It's my flesh it's, he, he, he is there. And the Bible, a lot of times we're trying to like manage our life. We're trying to deal with all this stuff that isn't pleasing to God. But we haven't dealt with who's in control. And this is say, hey, you've got to look at who is sitting in that office in your life. Is it Jesus or is it the flesh? And we have a choice of who are we going to hire and who are we going to fire each day. This says that we can put on or hire the new self instead of the old self. It's, it's kind of like clothes. You can take it off and put it on. Uh, it involves telling our old self that it's not going to be in control anymore. It's a choice that, by God's grace, we are able to make. To, to tell our flesh, hey, you're fired today. And it really has to be that dramatic. Like, again, a lot of times we try to, like, wrestle or try to, we try to deal with the results of our flesh being in that boss's office. But we're just, you can't do anything because he or she is still in charge. And it's really, this, it's gotta be they are like, hey, you're fired. It's a decisive, I am telling you to evacuate right now and get out. The Bible also talks about like crucifying your flesh. That's like, take that dude and nail it to the wall. That's the sort of thing we guys like, okay, you are not in charge today. I am dying to what those, all those impulses in me are saying to do. I'm not going to just try to manage them, but I'm saying no. I say no to that. I die to that. I fire you today. And so the first thing we've got to do is, is fire the flesh. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, there's, it's it's, it's got to be all out. Um, this is so much of the Bible is, is talking about this. And actually, if you have a bulletin, I've, we, this week we've given you some additional readings that talk more about this process, because it's just so much of the, the letters in the New Testament talk about how we can get rid of that, that old boss and replace it with what God has for us. So if you, I would really encourage you to read through those, meditate on it, think about it this week. And, and also we have a, a book called Kingdom of Living 1 and 2 and 3, these workbooks in the, that are in the resources and events table um, out there. But Volume 2, Chapter 1, is all about this. And so... If you haven't gone through that, that's a great Bible study to go through and really learn this and, and begin applying it to your life. So you've got to fire your flesh. So it, then it goes on, and it talks about what our life looks like after we've fired our flesh, and then we, we hire Jesus and say, okay, I'm firing you, I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to be the boss of my life. I'm putting you in charge. Will you take that spot in the office of my life? Be the boss. And it, it talks about what that looks like in verse 25. It says, therefore, having put away falsehood, I'm just going to read, read little uh, ways of this, because it gives us a vision of what our life can look like instead when we're, obno- when we're managing that obnoxious teammate of ourself, our flesh, ourself. Mm-hmm. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, it's like, I can't do this on my own. This is not the result of me trying to just willpower it. This is only the result of God coming in me and changing me and letting his, his leadership happen in my life. It goes on in, in verse 5. It says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us. Well, now it's really getting real. Walk in love, man. And he gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So that's what you want me to do too, God. You want me to lay down my life for others. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. As is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Again, here's this model, this vision of a life, what it looks like when Christ is ruling. Instead of our flesh. And it's very different. It's loving other people. It's living in purity. Not immorality. Even in our thoughts and our actions. There's, it's considerate. It's kind. It's, it's caring for other people. It's the kind of life God's called us to. Um, verse 15. I'll skip down to there. It says, he says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then it goes on in verse 18. Listen to this, this is part two of how we can manage ourselves. First, we gotta fire our flesh, but then there's something else we gotta do. Verse 18 it says, Do not get drunk with wine. Some of you are like, oh man, it all sounded good until there. <laughs> Don't tell me that. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery or dissipation, it's wasting yourself. But be be filled with the Spirit. Think about that. Do not get drunk with wine, for that wastes your life. But be filled with the Spirit. There's that Spirit thing again. And he goes on. We're going to come back to this. But addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The second thing we got to do after we fire our flesh is we have to fill up, you have to fill up your spirit. You have to fill up your spirit with, with God's spirit. This kind of reminds me of the old cheerleader chant. You guys are probably familiar with this. We got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? Yeah, well, that's, that's the issue. It's not just like eradicating our flesh and even... And then, yes, putting Jesus in the corner office. But it's saying we need to have so much of God's spirit in us that it begins to control us and more and more and more. And that's what happens when you get drunk, right? You guys all look like you don't understand getting drunk. Man, Don't give me those church faces now. That's what happens when you get drunk, right? Oh, <laughs> You get enough alcohol in your system that it begins to control you. And so, your blood alcohol level that's how you measure how drunk you are is your blood alcohol level. How much alcohol is in your blood? Now, it never gets to 100%. You die way before that. But you don't have to have 100% of alcohol in you to control you. You know, some of you, it doesn't take very much at all. But it's, it's just getting enough that it begins to take over your actions and your thoughts and your attitudes. And that's really what God wants to do to us. It's not just like, okay, I want you to live a better life. Now, try to be good. No, you're not trying hard enough. Try harder. Try harder. Crack the whip. Try harder. Sometimes we think of that. We think like that. But it's, no, God wants to give us more and more of himself. And as he comes in us and fills us, it's like getting drunk. It's just natural. We lose our inhibitions, our personality changes, we have more energy. There's, there's a life that comes from God's spirit filling us up. Man, this is awesome. This is, this is good stuff. Um, so it's, it's getting more of God in us. Now, now, how does that happen? Well, the Bible talks a lot about, and some of the passages I suggest you read on your own, it talks about... Like sowing to the Spirit. There are things you can do that help you drink of God's Spirit. When we read the Bible, with an open, hungry heart, we can have God fill us up with the Spirit. When we ask God to fill us with the Spirit, that's probably the most important thing, just saying, God, will you give me more of your Spirit? I want you to fill me today. I want more of you. When we're around other people, when we're following God, there are things we can do that, that fill us with the Spirit. I, I heard a story years back, and it's kind of like one of those Christian urban legends. I'm not sure if this is true or not, but it's a really good story. And it's, the principle is true, and it, it could be true, actually. Um, and, and like I heard someone say, don't let, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, So um, especially good preaching. So, um, so just pretend this is true. It, it may or may not be, but there were, there were researchers at Berkeley years back, and they had some type of, I don't know, x-ray, scan, vision, or some way they, like, could look at people's bodies. And through this, this, different, this, this different spectrum or whatever, they saw kind of this effervescent glow around people. It was kind of like a little green light that everybody had. And it was their spirit. And they're like, what is this? And they... They tried, like, had people do different activities. They had people, you know, eat and go to work, and they studied, like, what happens, and nothing really, really happened to their spirit. And then for some reason, someone had the idea, like, let's have people read the Bible. And so they read the Bible, and that, like, green glow, like, got bigger and stronger and brighter. And just took on a a whole new power about them. Like I said, I don't know if that is true, but that is what happens when we come before God. Our spirit, as we feed our spirit with the word of God, with fellowship, with prayer, with saying, God, I need you, I want you, come, fill me up. You, that, you can feel it a lot of times, just a but there's something that changes. And sometimes you don't feel it, but it's, it's happening regardless. That as we, as we get filled up with the spirit, something changes and we can begin, then live this life. That God meant us to, to live, and 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 manage ourselves, and and do much more. Um, and that's the way I want to live. That's, that's powerful. Um, so we gotta fire our flesh and then fill up our spirit. You know, that's you know really the uniqueness of of Christianity is that it's not just about hey, here's a list of morals and you need to try to be good and do this. But it's, no, out of your relationship with God and him, Jesus taking the penalty of your sins, you can be restored to him, and God actually comes and lives inside of you and empowers us to live that life that he wants you to live. And, you know, I just just think about that today, like, hey, what would that look like for me to live this way more on my team, for me to come to my team, whatever it is, where I am firing my flesh and... Filling up, being filled up with the Spirit, and what would that look like? And that that would be exciting. Now think about um, our, think about our church. Like think, imagine just a hundred people out in Manhattan living this way every day, and that would be exciting. Imagine a thousand people living like that every day. That would change the world, and that's really what God has called us to. And um, I just want to. We're gonna. I just want to encourage us to, we're going to take a moment right now to practice this. And, because it's all about practice. It's all about putting this into practice in our life. Um, Worship team, you can go ahead and and come on up. We're going to worship God with one more song. But before before we do that, and as we do that, but Even before, I want to invite us to to come before God in a personal way this morning. And maybe you need to fire your flesh. Maybe you go, you know, that flesh is in control right now. Maybe it's always been in control. Maybe you've never surrendered control of your life over to Jesus and trusted him to change you. This would be a great time to do that. Say, God, I trust in what you did on the cross to give me a new life, to fire my flesh, and to come and live inside of me. Maybe you, 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 many of us are Christians, but you're like, man, okay, I, I, wanna, I need to do that. There's areas of my life, there are areas of my life this morning where I see that that nasty boss is in control. I want to I fire him. I want to fire her. And I want to bring Jesus into that place as my boss. Here this morning just are saying, God, I want more of you. I want you to fill me with your spirit. I want you to come and come inside of me. Uh, let's just bow together and and pray. Lord, thank you that you you do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Lord, I ask that this would become a a new pattern or a greater pattern in each of our lives of of crucifying that old flesh looking to you you coming in control and being filled up with you day after day after day God thank you for your grace thank you for your goodness thank you for your power thank you that we don't do this on our own but by you this morning I I there are areas of your life where you're like, I, I want to, or just your whole life, I want to fire that old boss right now. Just do that. Say, flesh, I, I fire you. Jesus defeated you. You don't have to be in control anymore, and I evict you from your office. In Jesus' name. areas of my life, whether it's greed or anger or impurity, broken uh, hostility towards others, whatever it is. I'm not going to let you be in control anymore. Lord Jesus, would you come into those places in my life? Would you begin to change me? Would you begin to help me to live a life that's totally different, that brings honor to you, that brings freedom to me? Holy Spirit, I ask, Lord, we need you. We need you. We can't do this on our own. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill our lives? Would you do things we've never experienced before? Would you change us into different people? Would you empower us to be your witness on our teams, and the world around us? Would you give us boldness? Would you give us joy, peace, self-control, everything you have for us? We trust you for that. Thank you, Lord.